0: Previously on Tariku, Season 1, Sunjata. Going off hunting, are we boys? The buffalo, the lord of the condes, has offered half his kingdom, a fortune in gold, and the choice of any maiden in his lands as the bride of whatever hunter manages to kill the beast. No weapon can harm the beast and that it has already taken the lives of 107 hunters. I see an old woman. She holds the secret you must answer insult with praise, abuse with kindness. I'm going. You can come with me or not. No, I'm going. If I don't, who will tell our parents how bravely you died? Don Soba, Master Hunter, I salute you.
1: Dankoroba, old lone beast, I salute you as well. She
0: will find you. As my flesh is spitted over the fires of Nyani, yours will be spitted on her horn. She who even now tramples the paths of
1: Sankaran. Your death will be slow.
0: The land of Dor is a desolation of mud-brick huts smashed in like broken pottery their thatched roofs collapsed or else ripped away entirely cattle goats and sheep lie dead in the fields amid the ravaged crops their carcasses obscured by the dogs and carrion birds Huddled in their conspiracies around the corpses, like macabre courtiers at their intrigues. Children wander the trampled paths in search of parents, parents in search of children, but none finds their match amid the listless revenants. The grime of sleepless nights and days chalks their ashen skin, their cheeks patinaed with the long dry riverbeds of tears, and in their desiccated hearts they know the land of Doe is not so large, or its people so numerous, that one could walk its ways for a week and fail to find one who yet lives. But still they walk, What else to do? Inside the fractured shell of a grain silo, two warriors of the clan of Konde take shelter, their backs pressed against the wall. How long do you think we've been here? I don't know, two hours, three? How's your ankle? It's broken, I I think. How do you tell if it's broken? If it gets big? It feels big to me, but it's hard to tell. Could you feel it? It's broken. Oh. Do, Do you think any of the others are alive? No. Nearby, in the center of a quiet courtyard, a woman squats within the stone circle of a fire pit, veiled and draped in cloth of midnight indigo. She mutters under her breath, spits into the cold ashes, and a fire kindles there. She settles herself on a rock beside the fire, and sets a kettle over it with yesterday's rice inside. As she listens to the whisper of the steam she closes her eyes and watches the two warriors. Is it getting light out? Starting to. They say she does not walk in the daylight. That's what they say. I haven't
1: Heard anything for a long time? Do you think she's. do you think she's still out there?
0: In the quiet courtyard, the woman opens her eyes and gazes sadly into the flames. (sighs) She was still out there. A fat beetle flies above the woman's head, its basso hum tickling her ears. Ah, London, Kobo, strangers will arrive today. Koromuso, inisoma, you in the morning. Mse isoma, did you sleep in peace? Peace? Kunukinin is here for your breakfast. Your heart is sweetened, Omuso, but I have had my fill. I am weary. I would sleep now. As the old woman slips off her wooden sandals and prepares to step across the threshold of the house, the younger sees the crimson stain climbing the cracks in her callus and stops her. Mm? You have blood on your foot. The hunter lies broken in the mud, all that was him has come unmoored and litters the ground about him. His amulets and talismans, his shredded hunter's tunic, his arrows, his magical cowries, his rations of dried meat, his blood. A strip of his right flank lies unsheathed, the rib laid bare and shorn of periosteum, the wet inner bone glistening like a peeled sapling in the lurid light.
2: How long do you think he's been here?
0: Not long, but the wound has been here longer. You see the crust around the edges? Aha, I wondered whether you would catch that. Your don soya is catching up to mine, little brother. Uh, you did not notice it. Eh, uh, of course I noticed it. I have had don soya longer than you have. One summer longer. Ah, you see, longer. <gasps> <gasps>
2: uh-huh.
0: Is he? Did he just... ha huh. He made a sound. Yes, I was there, Musa. Well, for there to be sound, there must be breath. And for there to be breath, you must have life. So I say, he is alive. Ah! Such wisdom. You must have learned that in your extra summer.
1: Not dead yet. Dantuman, give him some water. You are safe
0: now, Anfa. Tell us, where is your home? How did you come to this? Musa lifts the hunter's head and props it on his knee. Dantuman takes the water skin from his belt and tips it to the old man's lips. He takes a weak sip, and that is all he can manage.
1: Senandu is my village. Not far.
0: We will get you back, Nfa. And far was it the buffalo?
1: <laughs> that it was. <coughs> what do you know of that one?
0: That the Condes will shower its killer with glory, and that it resists all earthly weapons, and it has already killed a hundred and. We sl- aim to slay the buffalo, and claim the prize. He aims to slay it.
1: <laughs> Boys. You are too young for this. I have daughters who are too old to marry you. If you would hunt this thing, you must prepare yourselves to contend with more than horns and hooves. This thing is a demon whose shadow has corrupted all the land of Do. Do you not see? The gloom that hides the very face of the sun. That is its doing. Its poisonous rage spreads like a plague over all the wild beasts of the land. Hyenas, panthers, crocodiles. Even the birds are spies for it. An army of evil djinn have flocked to it. (coughs) can't... I can't... risk dying here. Need to get to the town.
0: The hunter tries to rise, but his wounds are too much for him. Nfa, please. Rest easy. We will protect you. It is
1: not I who needs protecting this broken thing before you was in life a master hunter. Fifty years and three have I chewed the meat of Don Soya. If I die here without the proper rites, the Ya, my shadow, will escape my body, and those of all the beasts and Jin whom I have vanquished in my time will swarm it like flies to seek their vengeance. The land of Do stands already on the brink of destruction. Such an onslaught would be its undoing. My boys, you must help me to the town, the Konde Jelly. Old Sora knows me, he will summon the brothers of my Dangkung to perform the rites. I must hold on until then. Her underlings have found us. At least the buffalo was kind enough to leave me my knife.
0: Grandfather, please. You're in no condition to fight.
1: Shut your mouth, boy.
0: Be at ease, Grandfather. Let me hide you behind the tree over there.
1: Get your hands off me, you uncircumcised. Is he still breathing, fainted from the pain?
0: I'll cover you from the tree. You take the ground. You got the tree last time. (sighs) Dantuman positions himself astride the body of the hunter and begins to mutter a protective incantation. From a sheath of leopard skin, he draws forth his muru, a blade the length of his forearm with a shallow curve to it. Its sturdy wooden pommel carved in the likeness of a Janus head. From a rawhide strap on his back, he unfastens his tambah, a spear with a leaf-shaped blade, etched with arcane patterns, its haft segmented into three grips of antelope hide, each bracketed with rich, red-brown khari wood. His hunter's senses catch the smell of the hyenas well before he sees them. That waft of stale death, soaked into the roots of matted fur, would wake him from the deepest slumber as sharply as a thunderclap. They seem almost bored as they lope into the clearing. Some pass their pale tongues over ebon lips some yawn, casually displaying the fetid horror of their filthy jaws. Their black eyes have always struck Dantuman as having a vague sadness to them. From a lazy crouch, one of them tries a sudden lunge. Before he can bring his spear to bear, its back sprouts four slender arrows. Aren't you glad I'm in the tree, thrilled? With a limp now hitching its rangy trot, the hyena circles raggedly to the back of the pack. Looks like four approaching from the west, and that's one for me. It's not dead yet. (laughs) One of the hyenas leaps for Dantuman's left flank. He deftly dodges the attack by lunging to his right, and the hyena hurtles past him, close enough for him to see the mange on its spotted hide. Dantuman whips his wiry arm around, The bright steel of his muru flashes in an arc. The beveled tip slides wetly in among the thick cables of muscle in the hyena's neck, wedged just behind the mandible. It wrenches its head to try and free itself, and Dantuman feels his whole body jerked along with it, its vicious strength threatening to rip him off his feet. sinews of his arm and wrist straining to maintain his grip. He follows through with the arc of his initial strike to plunge the blade as deeply as he can along its ventral vector. He turns his hips to put his whole weight behind the blade, leaning on it to lever the hyena's head down, shoving the powerful jaws away from his body. Turning too far, giving my back to the others. He wheels just in time to find himself staring into a second ravenous face nearly upon him. Usa! I see it. Fereke! The hyena's legs tangle up beneath it. It buries its muzzle in the dirt and comes skidding to a halt at Dantuman's feet. He tosses his spear into the air, reverses his grip on the half, and plunges it into the animal's skull. You're welcome. Dantuman can feel the strength of his left arm slowly giving way before the first hyenas as it muscles its head back around to face him. Defiantly, it glares up into his face with murderous eyes and snarls, showing the wet, red depths of its throat. Dantuman plants his feet and pivots on his heels to give his blade one final yank. The mandible tears free, and then the cheekbone, and there is a deep, hollow crack as the suture of the skull comes unmoored. The entire left side of the hyena's face is left hanging from Dantuman's blade and slowly slowing off.
1: Two, that's disgusting.
0: The remaining two hyenas begin their gangly trot, circling in opposite directions, forcing Dantuman to split his vision. One still has Musa's arrows dangling from his back. Its gait has slowed markedly. It lurches another few steps, then drops. One! The lone remaining hyena, a big female, stands her ground amid the bloody ruins of her fellows. Dantuman squares off against her warily, compacting his torso into a boxer's hunch to hide his belly. He presents his right flank and shields it with his weapons, extending the long spear far in front of him to create distance. I can cripple her for you. See if you can turn her toward me. Dantuman tries a feint as if to attack her left flank, hoping to make her circle to her right toward the tree and Musa's arrows, but the hyena does not so much as flinch. He tries again, and again she stands her ground. She fixes him in her obsidian gaze and utters a peal of laughter that echoes off the tree and the surrounding swamp. It is answered by a gaggle of new voices from every direction. Musa? More. I count another three, no? Six. Two groups of three. One from the north, one from the south. The hyena circles Dantuman, to the right, to the left. Dantuman tracks her warily with the tip of his spear. Here they come! Behind you! Right leg! (coughs) Dantuman lifts his leg and whirls like a dancer, narrowly avoiding the jaws as they snap shut with a terrible force. No sooner has his foot found earth again than he feels the hot breath of another at the back of his thigh. Dantuman, they're boxing you in! Get out of there! Heard them this way! Dantuman gathers himself and leaps into the air, over the heads of the ghastly garden of slavering jaws, now clamoring hungrily for his flesh, like a litter of pups mobbing for their mother's milk. He twists his body, feline-like, and lands in a crouch at the foot of Musa's tree. That's it. Follow the meat. Yes, Ndoroke. Okay. bring them to me. With the pack now in range and massed together, Musa sets to furious work with his bow, weaving two and three arrows at a time between his nimble fingers and loosing them in clattering volleys down upon the pack. The unfletched poisoned shafts trace wild paths in the air, as though the tree were shedding seed pods. The hundred needles stipple the hyenas' spotted hides as they approach, injecting their payloads of venom. Dantuman darts his spear in among them, forcing them to dodge and leap and circle to avoid it, spurring their hearts to a gallop to pump the poison faster through their veins. As he harries them, he slowly gives way until he feels the smooth bark of the tree's trunk against his back. He lets the pack get close enough to smell their fetid breath He can see the muscles in their legs coil as they prepare a final killing lunge. Musa! Now! The bone-crushing jaws bear down upon him. At the last second, Dantuman pirouettes on the ball of his foot and disappears behind the tree, as the hyenas' charging snouts slam into the trunk. Musa shoulders his bow, unstraps his hunter's harp, and begins to play. The pack wheels around and regroups. They begin to split off into two groups to pursue Dantuman around the tree trunk, where he crouches astride the still unconscious body of the hunter. He can hear their paws pounding the mud as they draw closer, each step rattling the arrows still embedded in their backs, every surge of their powerful muscles working Musa's poison in more deeply. Gradually, their gait begins to slow, then stops entirely. Their snarling falls silent. Dantuman peers out around the thick tree trunk and sees the whole pack sitting like domesticated dogs staring up into the tree, enraptured by his brothers playing. One by one they settle down onto their bellies like ragged sphinxes. Then their heads begin to droop and finally they roll onto their sides, the heaving of their rangy flanks slowly dying away (coughs) until it stills entirely. And there it is, seven. I win again. Musa, that does not count. brothers drag the hunter behind them on a makeshift stretcher. His breath comes in ragged huffs and his head loosely limberjacks along with the stretcher's rough passage. <whistles> is that dough? Yeah, it is a wasteland. Look at the houses. These people. Dantuman, this is insane. What are we doing here? helping them. Across the rough path ahead of the boys, a hulking old crone shambles past. Though she walks with her body crabbed around a gnarled walking stick, her strange three-legged gait rolls on as smoothly as a horse's. Her veil is drawn down into a low cowl that rests on the bridge of her nose its septum pierced with a thick ring of gold. Her taffy, of a cloth that looks dyed with the night itself, is knotted under her armpit, exposing her thickly muscled back and shoulders. Over one shoulder, she carries the dabamuso, the woman's hoe, a long, curved wooden handle with a broad blade at one end. Mo muso? Grandmother, we greet you in the dusk. Grandmother? Namoroden, bastards! Your grandfather had a crooked cock. Ah! Answer insult with praise, remember? Ah. Ah! Big brother, hear how sweetly she insults us. Doesn't it make you homesick for our own grandmother? She calls us bastard grandsons of a crooked cock just like that. Ma, we are at your service. What labor are you about with your hoe? Tell us that we may help you. Sons of a palm wine drunken whore. I don't need to explain myself to you. I am on my way to dig for termites to feed my chickens. And just how do you propose to help me with those pitiful arms of yours? <clears throat> Ma, I will dig your termites for you. Let me take your hoe. This hoe? This will go up your jaw before you take it from me. Don't man, leave it. Come, grandmother, give it here. Ooh. Ha <laughs> ha Uh-huh. Serves you right. Well, are you waiting for an invitation? Dig. My pleasure, grandmother. Are you hungry? Musa, give her something. Oh, of course, little brother. Momozonko, take this from my generous brother's store. Huh. When Dantuman has finished, he unfurls a large cloth sack from his belt and fills it with the moiling mass of termites. He ties this off and places it atop his head. The brothers take up the stretcher once again, and the four set off on the rough path toward the town. The boys in front, dragging the hunter, the old woman trailing a little ways behind. What are we doing? Oh, come on, Musa. Old woman, angry and alone. She holds the secret. Eh, what makes you so sure it's her? You think there's only one crazy old lady in all the land of Do? What are you doing dragging that thing around? Can't you see it's dead? Before either of the brothers can answer, the hunter's eyes snap open his face alive with a sudden, desperate violence. He clutches at the hilt of his blade. Witch!
1: Musa koranijugu! Get back! Easy, Mfa, easy. It's just an old woman. Kill you? Kill you!
0: The hunter strains mightily to rise from the stretcher, but there is a sickening twist in his guts. He feels the ground drop out from under him, and his eyes roll back again into unconsciousness. The brothers and the old woman look at each other in silence. Beneath the dark veil, her golden eyes flicker as they trace his wounds, and she smiles a strange, brief smile. As it fades, the emptiness in its wake is that much darker for it. They walk on. As they cross the threshold of the town proper, the old woman overtakes the brothers with surprising speed. Stupid boys, you do not know the way. Follow me. She leads them to a small courtyard surrounded by a low stone wall. Its lone mud brick hut stands untouched by the chaos that has laid waste to the rest of Do. In the center of the courtyard is a neatly dug fire pit circled with stones. An iron cooking pot rests on a tripod there over a low flame. Beside this, so still the brothers do not notice her at first, sits a woman with her back to them her body completely covered by the same night-colored cloth as the old crone. The old woman snatches the sack of termites off of Dantuman's head and stalks off into the house. The brothers stand at the threshold, waiting to be invited across, as is the custom. No invitation comes. The hunter groans in his delirium. Dantuman, we had better get him to the palace. You said the king's jelly knew him. Dantuman nods absently, and they walk on. The palace of King Nyemodjarra stands besieged. Its once proud mud-brick facade is pocked and lacerated. Dantuman can name the claws and fangs and horns of a dozen different beasts, many of whom are never known to keep each other's company. And there are some arcane and vicious signatures not carved by any earthly creature. One set of gaping holes dwarfs all the rest, where the wall has been gored through by some vast symmetrical ballista with twin lance heads, the circumference of tree trunks. Those will be the buffalo. No, they're too big. Look at the shape and the crater between the puncture holes. Exactly the marks of a savanna buffalo. Just bigger, much bigger. The boys make their way to the front gates. As the sun begins to set, the surviving townspeople light small iron lanterns fueled with manure. They toil feverishly to deepen a pit they have dug around the palace. With small axes, they shape the wooden poles that once framed their shattered roofs into sharp stakes to make a palisade. Archers lean against the spiked crenellations atop the palace wall, their long shadows striping the mud bricks and rippling like water as they light their torches and string their bows. The iron bars of the palace gates sag in their moorings, bruised and bent. Their heavy hardwood lock lies in splintered ruins at the threshold. The shards of its stern, carved face glares up at the brothers from the ground, a shattered gargoyle. Beside it, a young smith sits in the dirt, chiseling a new lock with a semet the fine ads the smiths here use for detail work. An angry gash splits his scalp from front to back, freshly stitched and covered over with a poultice. Master of fire, you and the iron. Don so, you and the bush. Is this all the work of the buffalo? And her army. Army? Wild beasts, consumed with a rage that burns all fear of men from them. jinn who dress themselves in nightmare shapes and the flesh of our dead. They come at night? Every night. Who is he? A venerable Don Soba who fell to the buffalo in the swamps. We found him on our approach. Is he? He lives, but and he has not had the rights yet. The brothers shake their heads. Wait here. The Numu rises from his work, walks over to the massive door of the palace and speaks to the spearman who stands guard there. After a moment, he returns. I've spoken to the guard for you. He will let you in. Announce yourself to old Sora, the king's jelly. He will help you. We thank you, Numu. May the works of your hands be useful. Numu, I must ask, if these monsters come every night and kill so many, where are all the bodies? Nege Boria, the place where the iron comes out. The earth coughs it up in little jagged pebbles here. They glint dully in the silver night and coat the land with a ghostly iridescence like the surface of the moon. On the outskirts of the town stands an abandoned smelting furnace a hulking golem of baked clay. In its heyday, it would have roared to life several times a year to supply the busy forges of its masters, the prodigious smiths of the clan of Koroma. Now its mournful, gaping mouth bemoans its emptiness to the dark. From the shadow of the dead behemoth toddles a little boy sleepwalking. With weary, haunted eyes half-closed, he sifts through the pit of old slag next to the cold furnace. He dives his chubby arms into the heap and rummages. His hands emerge, clutching a hunk of slag twisted into the shape of a demonic crocodilian maw crowned and bearded with a nightmare craze of horns and claws and fangs of every species. The maw seems to pull on the boy's hands such that they lift it to his face as if to lock gazes with him, had it the eyes to gaze. The boy cocks his head as if listening to the thing, then sets off on the dirt path back toward the town. Still asleep, the boy trudges up the steep hill that leads to his family's enclosure. He sits at the gnarled feet of the old baobab that grows behind his hut. He sets the maw on a flat stone so that it might oversee his work. With his tiny hands, he digs the soft earth between the roots of the tree and lays bare what he has secreted away there—a husk of snakeskin, some porcupine quills, and the skull of a cat. He gathers these up and lays them on the stone before the maw, that his new friend might appreciate his treasures.
2: Kassia, inabangri?
0: Ah, you there. Boy, what are you doing outside in the middle of the night? Ah, sleepwalking, eh? The rider claps a heavy hand on the boy's shoulder and shakes him awake. Dundu, dundu, dundu. It's all right, boy, it's all right. You were having a dream. I'm, I'm outside. Who's there? Jonne? Nga. You may speak the language of your home, of Susu. I have ridden all night to bring you news from there. Your boy is... Minsea! Eh, Fakoli! What are you doing out here? Did it happen again? Fabe imma furkufe. Come here. Kasia lifts her son onto her hip and begins to bounce and comfort him. Wangai, fala! Speak! What news from Susu? Kasia, it's... It's your brother, the king. He's alive. He's back. Sumauro? Sumauro? He's alive? Is he alright? He is... unhurt. Where has he been all this time? What has it been? Three months? He says he was lost in the bush and he's... he's all right. Nothing is wrong with him. Nothing... that we can see. What are you not telling me? Speak! guy. I have been told to warn you. The king is... somewhat changed. Changed? How? I cannot claim to know him well myself, but the council sees a change and instructed me to inform you of it. They had hoped that seeing you would help him. My husband is old and not well enough to make the journey. Fakoli and I will accompany you back at first light tomorrow. You will stay the night here, come. As Kasia turns to enter the house, she sees the ghastly iron maw perched on the stone. Eh? Fakoli? what are those nasty things? Throw them away and come inside. After his mother and the stranger have gone inside, Fakuli stands alone before the flat rock, his bewildered brow as wrinkled as an old man's. He stares at the maw perched amid his secret treasures, its sightless face stares back. He digs the pit between the baobab roots a little deeper, places the face and his treasures inside, covers them over, and hurries into the hut to find his mother.
2: Kuruma kaludi mo bunyatebe tebe haludi mo la kese kese. Kuruma kaludi mo la bunyatebe tebe haludi kese kese. La kabila kuruma lula kuruma ke mansilani ne.
0: Tuba budya nakono Inisu. You in the lands of the white people, I greet you in the evening. Njafika Fakoli Tarikufuali. Fakuli kumba ani fakoli daba. I wish to tell you the story of Fakoli. He who is called Fakoli of the Great Head and Fakoli of the Great Mouth. Fakoli Asansaba. Ale ni apa. Alutamada soso. Sa aludibo sumaurocante subaramansa. When Fakoli was three years old, his mother, Kasia Kante brought him with her to her homeland of Susu to visit her brother Sumauro, the sorcerer king.
2: Kanyimbulanyuma <laughs> Fakuli kumbani, ni fakulidaba bilamakurumalade man fara lae balakuru kuruma bebuladi mani aiba dumbuya bebuladi Fatumata ta dunguya bebuladi Yakubasi si bebuladi fode sedu bangura bebuladi urodiara di mofa Fakuli man silani, ah, Kabila kurumalula, kurumake Mansilani